Hey, and welcome to the Stanton Law Podcast. This is your host, Josh Joel, counsel at Stanton Law. We're here today to address relevant and timely issues that are top of the mind of employers as our world continues changing. So let's dive straight in. On today's episode, we have uh, my colleague, Danny Berry, to speak about a very recent and important topic uh, that confronts most employers uh, going into this new year. And that is recent changes by the Department of Labor relating to the classification of independent contractors. Before we begin, I want to give Danny an opportunity to introduce herself and who she is. Thanks, Josh, and thanks for having me on the podcast today. My name is Danny Berry, and I'm the managing attorney at Stanton Law. I also am the founder of WellWorks Consulting, which is more of my passion project. And I, at WellWorks Consulting, I counsel and coach attorneys and other high-stress professionals on stress and how stress impacts the body and what we can do about it. I know nothing about stress. Well, you um, should hire me. So, <laughs> so the, the question, uh, Danny, is I know that uh, there's some been recent changes with the Department of Labor and how they're handling uh, independent contractors. And if you can kind of walk our listeners through what that means and why we care, why is this relevant to, our, to employers? Sure. Most companies that I counsel or have litigated for employ, I use that word in air quotes, independent contractors. So they have workers on their workforce that are not W-2 employees. And it's been unclear as to what test you can apply to make the determination as to whether a worker is properly classified as an independent contractor versus an employee, given that you had states with various rules, the Department of Labor had rules, you have uh, the IRS with separate rules, all pertaining to the classification of independent contractors. So it got a little unclear and uncertain, and this rule really resets that, provides some certainty, um, and calls for the economics, the economic realities test to apply in determining whether someone is a contractor or an employee under the FLSA. The FLSA, or Fair Labor Standards Act, is one of those laws that I somewhat preach about to clients. It's drafted in a way that's very pro-employee. And if you get a claim or get a lawsuit under the FLSA, it can be very damaging to your company and extremely expensive. So classifying workers correctly is really important for all companies because it can affect your bottom line and you can get caught up in really costly litigation. So what exactly is the FLSA and how does, how does this independent contractor uh, test play into those rules? So the FLSA, the Fair State Labor Standards Act, is a law that governs the classification of workers as either exempt or non-exempt. And what that means is whether or not they qualify for overtime, very generally. The Department of Labor manages I guess you would say the FLSA, it's the administrative agency over the FLSA, much like the EEOC is the administrative agency over Title VII. And so you can get investigations from the Department of Labor into your practices, into your classification of workers, whether it's independent contractor versus employee or exempt versus non-exempt. And so what the Department of Labor has done here is tried to clarify its rule to make it easier to understand for companies. So we hopefully have more people that are correctly classified. 
And so I, I know from from my practice that misclassification of employees is not something that a lot of employers are thinking about. And it's probably the single biggest m- mistake that we see often, especially with startups and small businesses, where they say, oh, we're just going to 1099 that guy. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and therefore, uh, they, we don't have to worry about overtime. We don't have to worry about any of that. So this is something that really is... Uh, affects many, many employers, and they might not even realize uh, how much liability they can face if they uh, make mistakes in this area. So I guess the question is, what does this actual rule, what does the rule change actually do? If you can just explain that in the simplest way possible, what do employers need to know and, and what has changed? So the, the new rule, the DOL focuses on two of five factors. And so there are five factors under the rule, but we're going to focus on the first two. And if the first two swing one way or the other, then we pretty much have a certain classification. If we look at the first two factors and we don't know still, then we analyze the last three. So the first two factors are, one, the nature and degree of the worker's control over the work. And then the second factor is the worker's opportunity for profit or loss through investment. So the DOL wants employers to look at those two things first. And if it looks as though the, um, the worker is in control over their work, meaning how it gets done, when it gets done, where it gets done, and they have an opportunity for profit or loss through investment. So skill sets, not, not this doesn't really mean a opportunity for profit or loss through picking up extra work. It's really through being a skilled trade or knowing what you're doing and being able to do it faster than somebody else. Uh, so through your investment. And so we look at those two factors first. And if it looks as though there's a good opportunity for profit or loss and the workers controlling their work, then it, it is classified properly. So they say a sub- there's a substantial likelihood that the classification is proper and accurate. So it's only if these two factors are not determinative, then we go through the final three. And the final three are amount of skill required, degree of permanence in the working relationship. So that means how frequently are they working? Is it every week or is it twice a month? And then how integrated the, the worker's role is. So those are a little bit looser, right? And so they're harder to look at and analyze. And so I think that's why the DOL says, let's focus on these two main ones and see see what we come up with. So I would imagine that most employers uh, using that term also loosely would rather keep uh, the people who are working for them as independent contractors, uh, because then they don't have to worry about these types of rules about overtime and, and uh, other issues that relate to having employees. So if an employer under the new rule wants to keep someone as an independent contractor and ensure that they remain an independent contractor, what should they do and how should they make sure to govern that person's employment or that person's relationship with the company? So we often guide guide and counsel employers to enter into independent contractor agreements where you clearly are setting forth the terms of the the relationship. And so companies, yes, I want to have an independent contractor. I don't want to pay overtime. I don't want to pay payroll taxes. I don't want to have to worry about anything. But I want to tell the worker what to do and when to do it and what tools to use and how to dress and how to talk. That sort of thing, it doesn't, it doesn't work. So if companies want to use 
independent contractors, they have to loosen their grip a little bit, talk to an attorney, I think that's very important, and come up with an agreement that outlines the the terms of the relationship and also is analyzed under this new DOL rule, especially those first two factors. So, so when you say that they should loosen their grip on on this this worker, uh, I, I would imagine some examples on that. In my experience, has been where do they work? What do they wear? How do they speak to the clients? How do they do their work? What what, is, what are some of the other things that an, that this company should be thinking about? when they're thinking about loosening their grip on on a worker in order to make sure that they remain an independent contractor? I, that's a really good question. I mean, I, I think that you covered the main points. Um, you know, an, an employee, we all know what an employee and how they're treated. You know, they're given policies and rules and guidelines and they're monitored. You know, they may have company property. And that really goes away with an independent contractor. So you just don't have as much control over how they're doing their work and when they're doing their work and, and those sorts of things. And so if that doesn't fit with your overall business and in, in your overall culture, then it's not going to work. And you can't really shove that, that square peg in a round hole. Look at each person individually. Some, some people may work better as an independent contractor and some people really just need to be employees. Right, so the bottom line is you can't have your cake and eat it too, but you got to figure out which cake you're going to eat. In other words, which which look at every individual situation and make sure that you're proper properly classifying that person, weighing uh, the benefits and and the detriments to having the person as an employee or having the person as an independent contractor. And each situation is going to be different. But the most important thing is you can't just say, "Oh, they're 10.99, they're an independent contractor." You really have to think it through, or you can face some significant issues and significant liabilities. Um, let me ask you w- one last thing is obviously we have a new administration coming in. The Department of Labor is going to be switching hands. Uh, I don't think they've confirmed the new labor commissioner yet, but uh, do you anticipate there's going to be changes in this policy? Has this, has this, was this done by the Trump administration in order to make things more favorable for employers? Uh, do you see a shift more towards employees going forward with the Biden administration? Potentially, yes. So this rule is not set to go into effect until March 8, 2021. And I believe, although I haven't researched this, I believe a lot of a big reason why this rule came into effect was to counter what California was doing with independent contractors in the test that they had come up with, which is called the ABC test. And other states had had adopted that, causing further confusion. And so to clarify, and the ABC test is a thicker, harder test to come out as an independent contractor when you run through the factors. So I think the Trump administration was trying to make things easier, so it was easier to be classified as an independent contractor. Biden has pledged uh, to aggressively pursue employers who intentionally misclassify workers as independent contractors by enacting new legislation. Now, I don't know what that exactly means, uh, but that is a promise that he made on the campaign trail. Some people expect Biden will return to the broader standard in place during the Obama administration, which allows an employer-employee relationship to be established even when there's indirect control over the worker. Uh, And it's more along the lines of this ABC test. So, 
yet to be determined whether this rule will roll into effect next month or whether it will be stopped and Biden will make an effort to now pivot back to to the tighter rule, the ABC rule. So in short, uh, employers really need to be watching developments in this area and making sure that they are remaining compliant. But in the meantime, uh, this new rule is going to go into effect and employers need to be making sure to keep apprised of what's going on uh, going down the road uh, to see what the Biden administration does and and whether it makes it more difficult for employers to maintain uh, their independent contractors as independent contractors. So, uh, Danny, I, I really appreciate you coming on today and speaking about this topic. I know that it's really important for a lot of startups, a lot of small businesses, big businesses. It pretty much affects everybody, uh, whether or not uh, their employees are going to remain where they want them to be in terms of their classifications. Let me add yeah. one more point before we, we get off. One thing I did note uh, in, in my notes and we haven't talked upon is that the DOL did add six examples to the final rule of industries that this might apply to. So a big heads up for folks who are in transportation, long haul trucking, construction, the gig economy. So think Uber drivers and that sort of thing journalism and hospitality. Often the DOL will tip its hat to what it's going to look at in enforcing new rules. And so if you're in any of those industries, particularly pay attention. And even if you're outside of those industries, it's always a good investment to have somebody look at your wage and hour policies and do an audit, a wage and hour audit to determine whether you have your workers classified. It's far less expensive than having to face a Fair Labor Standards Act litigation lawsuit or having to go through a DOL um, investigation. So it's preventative medicine. We can get ahead of this and help companies work it out and get on solid footing. Well, that's great. And that's that's really important advice uh, for everybody to take and to move forward into uh, the coming year as this new rule goes into effect. So thank you, Danny, for enlightening us on that new development. And uh, we'll see how it plays out as the year goes on. Thanks, Josh. You've been listening to the Stanton Wall Podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast to get notifications of new episodes. And follow me on LinkedIn, where I post short legal updates on a regular basis. If there are topics that you want us to discuss, please feel free to email me directly at josh.joel at stantonlawllc.com. Please bear in mind that the information we discussed today is informational only and does not constitute legal advice. If you have any legal questions or are looking for more information about any of the topics we've discussed or anything that has to do with your business, the attorneys at Stanton Law can help. Check us out at stantonlawllc.com.